how happy is the blameless vessel's lot. The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. Each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. Is there any risk of brain damage? Well, uh, technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage, but it's, it's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. What won't I miss? It's time for a little... Something. I forget. My notes say I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I'm here with Brian Boucher from Top Gun Minute. And it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but they're erasing me, and I have no memory of any of this. So, Brian, your show. <laughs> well, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, very strange and interesting, just like Ex Machina was. Yeah. Was this another one you only saw recently? Yes, it is. And the reason why is because I've always been a fan of Jim Carrey old stuff when he was just always funny. Yeah. And doing the dramatic stuff was kind of off-putting to me. Okay. So I, I didn't want to watch it. And I don't even remember seeing the trailer or nothing. And then I hear the super long title and I'm like, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And it the just the title itself was like confusing to me. I'm like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Right. Until I watched it and then I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes some sense. But yeah, it, it was very cool. And I love all the little special effects with, you know, everything disappearing. And yeah, so much of that done practically too. Yeah. It, this one really makes you think, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. It comes down to Nathan's thing. Nothing analytical. How does it make you feel? Yeah. Confused, <laughs> but a good confused. Cause I like to watch movies that make you think mm, like this. Yeah. Especially, you know, like when you're watching Pulp Fiction. You know, the way it's presented, you know, you watch it and it, all these different scenes that the timeline does not add up. Right. It's all out of order. But you still get it. Well, I think it's easier for that one because each of the parts is a big chunk. Yeah. So you can kind of follow the context. This, so many of its parts that are out of order are also overlapping. Yeah. And literally happening at the same time in some cases. It can be weird. Yeah. You might see like 10 seconds of one part of his memory. And then you see a whole minute of another part and then it goes back into five seconds of this and uh -huh. it's very fast and you're, get, you're like, huh? Stop, rewind, watch that again. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And the same thing with this one. I watched the clip first before I watched the movie. So we'll get to it, but... <laughs> this clip ain't giving you anything. <laughs> it didn't give me anything. And it was also very confusing. All right. Didn't you have to double check that I gave you minute 18? Because yes, you get yes. credits. Yeah. The credits start rolling. Just starting. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Because that's not till the end of the minute. Yeah. This scene in the shooting script actually happens much later. This scene is part of what's at the end in the present. Mm -hmm. And it's a little different. And Patrick actually walks by. Because he's going to enter Clem's building. Then he sees Joel in the car and he kind of circles around and knocks on the window. Yeah. And we don't get as much of that. He just kind of shows up and he's blurry and he leans down and there's Elijah Wood. Yeah. And I don't think he was even in the trailer. Hmm. I thought it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt at first. Ah. Because you only see. Yeah. At first you like, see just like the bottom of his face. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And he's got I that little bit of this. soul patch thing going on. Yeah. And this is Elijah Wood coming off of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, with much shorter hair. Yeah. 
Actually, I don't know what his hair actually looked like when they were filming that because he wore a wig all the time. Oh, yeah. Maybe that maybe that's why it was short. He'd cut it for that and just kept it. Maybe. And as we mentioned, he's in Back to the Future 2 that we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I would also point out he produced Mandy, which I did a whole podcast hating on. <laughs> yeah. As Joel rolls down the window, whatever it is we were hearing in the background goes away, yeah. which makes sense as a sound design move. You get rid of the background when we want to hear the dialogue. Yeah. And the conversation is exactly the kind of conversation you'd get between someone who can't explain why he's there and someone who has no idea why anyone's asking. Yeah. Because he's like, uh, yes, can I help you? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Can I help you with something? No. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm not really sure what you're asking me. Okay, thanks. Oh. <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> yeah. In the script, he does try to come up with something. Patrick asks if he can bum a cigarette and Joel's like, I don't smoke. And so he says, thanks and walks away. But in the film, they don't even include that. So it's just like, oh, and he leaves like that was weird. Yeah. Joel doesn't know what's going on. He's waiting for Clementine to come back out. And right. all of a sudden this guy knocks on the window. Joel maybe thinks that he thought he was having car trouble or. he was- Yeah. Patrick should have played it off as like, oh, I thought you were someone else. thought this was my friend's car. Yeah. It would have been a lot safer, I guess. Yeah. To say. Because we don't, we have no idea who Elijah Wood is. This is the first time we right. see him. So we don't know what his character's involvement is with him until yeah. later minutes. Yeah. Even the next time he shows up, we didn't even see his face. He's being covered by a book. And then it specifically keeps leaving his face out in a few scenes. Yeah. With some nice visual effects going on right. a couple of times. Yeah. Because he's forgetting who Patrick is. He's not supposed to remember the Lacuna people. Right. I like the end of that bit with. Patrick, though, is Joel rolls up the window and he kind of looks back, but then he looks, it's not clear from the angle of the camera, but he's watching in the side mirror on the car, Patrick walk away, Yeah, which is part of the setup from the script is that he keeps watching this guy. He's like, that was weird, but instead we fade to black. Everybody's got to learn sometime fades in the movie does a fast fade in on Joel in that same car, presumably different location, hands gripping the steering wheel really tight. His eyes are red, his cheeks are wet. He's going through something. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite cuts in like any film ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even a cut. It's a fade out, fade in. But yeah, this transition from him sitting in the car confused to just weeping is amazing. And then we get credits and it's yeah. 18 minutes in. It's not supposed to happen like that. Yeah. That's why I was saying at the beginning of this episode, when you sent me the minutes, I saw credits and I was like, whoa, hold on. I, so I had to message you like, did you send me the right minute? Yeah. Cause I hadn't seen the movie yet. Right. And he's like, yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So I was like, I was in shock. Uh, yeah. And you, and you asked, are there other movies that do that? And yeah, there aren't really. Yeah. And I think there are actually rules about that. Like you have to get special permission from specifically, I think it's the director's guilt has rules about what percentage of the film in you have to see the director's name yeah. and you can get around it by not having opening credits, but you have to get permission for that. Yeah. Like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So there's some longer movies recently that did this kind of thing. Drive My Car is like three hours long yeah. and the first 40 minutes is almost its own little short film. And then you get credits and it continues with a slightly different plot. Yeah. But that's a long movie. Yeah. This isn't a long movie. Right. 17 minutes and 41 seconds in. Right. We get Focus Features. Focus Features Presents. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in complete shock when I saw that. Yeah. It kind of distracted me from the fact that Jim Carrey is now crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Joel, yeah, he puts his hand to his head. Interestingly, watching this minute on its own, I realized Jim Carrey is not crying. 
they just did a really good job of making it look like he was already crying and then yeah. he covers his face. Yeah. Yeah. He starts rubbing his, rubbing his eyes. Got red eyes and cheeks wet. Yeah. And then he puts his hand up. Yeah. And then we go from him there in the car crying to looking out the front windshield, driving down a dark street at night, an anonymous content production in association with This Is That, which this was only their second production. Yeah. They did 21 Grams the year earlier. You know, speaking of movies that are told out of order, 21 Grams. They did, I forget what the other movie they had out this year was. And then by the next year, they had like five movies in the year. They became bigger. Neither of these companies are specifically related to Michelle Gondry or Charlie Kaufman, though. Yeah. They're just production companies. Yeah. The producers. But Focus Features, I looked at all their movies and <laughs> I'm going to name off a bunch. And one thing that they all have in common being John Malkovich. Yeah. The Big Lebowski, Dazed and Confused, Empire Records, Shaun of the Dead, Brokeback Mountain, Dallas Buyers Club, Atomic Blonde, <laughs> Downton and Abbey. Yeah. And the Northman that's getting ready to come out. Right came out today as we're recording this. Yeah. But all a lot of these have in common is there's a movies by minute podcast about them. <laughs> yeah. Kai, they're yeah. Yeah. That actually be an interesting thing to figure out is what company has the most movies by minutes podcasts. <laughs> I'm guessing it's some sort of eighties franchise thing. Yeah. Cause we're all a bunch of white guys in our late thirties to fifties. Right. Yeah. So we all grew up on these kind of things. Yeah. We're all nerds. Yeah. <laughs> we're all 80s nerds. nerds who were live in the 80s. Yep. Now, before the minute ends, we do get a couple more credits. We get the acting credits. Yeah. For Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. I was a big fan of Jim Carrey growing up. You know, I was born in 77, showing my age. So when Jim Carrey came out, Ace Ventura and The Mask and all those yeah. dumb and dumber, all those hugely famous, funny movies that got him his start. Yeah, I was all about it. I thought it was great. But then once he got, <laughs> I'm going to say a not popular uh, opinion. I don't like the cable guy. Okay. I felt for Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's fair. thought he was an, a super annoying. I love that movie, but I understand why it wouldn't work for some people. And I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But then when, you know, he started doing his more dramatic stuff, he kind of dropped off for me. Okay. You know, you said you wanted to talk about like the actors and I haven't talked too much about like their careers. And so I brought up their IMDb and I'm like, I was surprised at how many of the things I had seen already. With Jim Carrey, not so much. Most of his did well at the box office. Mm -hmm. But even early stuff, like uh, he was in, uh, let's see, Peggy Once Bitten yeah. in 85. Yeah, Peggy Sue Got Married. I saw that in the theater. The Deadpool, saw that in the theater. Yeah. Ace Ventura is in 94. He's doing In Living Color from what, 90 to 94? I think he was in all four seasons. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Second Ace Ventura, Cable Guy, Liar Liar, Truman Show, Simon Birch, Man on the Moon, Me, Myself, and Irene. I actually hadn't seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas until recently because I didn't really grow up on Christmas, but that was in there. Right. I think I still have never seen The Majestic. I have not seen that movie. I should watch that. Bruce Almighty and then Eternal Sunshine. That's a lot of interesting. I mean, it drifts in sort of subject matter and tone, but yeah, he's getting into the serious stuff. And where, oh, and Man on the Moon was in there. I didn't see that one until later. Yeah. No, I don't think. Yeah. Or did I see that in the theater? Mm. I think I saw it in the theater, but I didn't appreciate it until later. I did like that movie. I thought, I thought that was a really good depiction of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And one of my favorite documentaries, and I also love to say horrible things about Jim Carrey, but still Jim Carrey, come on the show, <laughs> Jim and Andy. 
the documentary about the making of Man on the Moon and what he did as getting into character and method acting and sort of deconstructing his own ego, as it were. And I mean, ego in the Freudian sense Mm -hmm. is an amazing documentary that does make him seem like, on the one hand, I would love to have a conversation with Jim Carrey. I shouldn't say this as the host of this show. I don't think I'd want to spend a lot of time with him. I think I would not try to think of a nice way to say this. I love pretentious movies. I love pretentious filmmakers. When you get pretentious in life, you bug me. Mm. I mean, he wrote a children's book about a wave in the ocean, which is fascinating. What I've seen of, I haven't read the whole book, but I've seen a bunch of pages of it. Someone put online and it is a fascinating idea, especially as a children's book. But also I have so many problems with the sort of public presentation he has after man on the moon. I still like movies he's been in, like as an actor, but his public persona is a little much for me. Okay, fair enough. If you want more information on that, you go find my blog. Maybe I'll link to some entries. I watched Jim and Andy for a week and wrote about him and identity and personality and all of that stuff. I was also surprised by how many Kate Winslet movies I'd seen prior to this one. (laughs) Heavenly Creatures, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, Sense and Sensibility, Jude, Hamlet, Titanic, Hideous Kinky, The Holy Smoke, Quills, Iris, Life of David Gale, and then Eternal Sunshine. That I had seen that many of her because most people were like, yeah, I knew her from Titanic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Titanic. (laughs) From 1994 on, I was increasingly, and still to this day, increasingly more obsessive about the Oscar movies like award movies uh-huh. and making an effort to see as many of the nominees every year as I could. Yeah. So I was paying attention to like the little art house movies. I also live in LA. So we have a lot of art house theaters. Yeah. And so some of the smaller movies will come here. Most people might not have heard of hideous kinky. It's based on a book speaking of Freud by Esther Freud. Yeah. I've heard of that. And it was a pretty good movie. The only ones I think of that I've, I've seen is of course, Titanic movie 43. That's later. Yeah. yeah. Divergent series, Mayor of Easttown, her TV show. I've seen a few of the episodes here recently, but yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of her, her stuff, but she's, but she's a good actress. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen many of her movies since this one, but I was, I was thinking of like, just at this point, what did I know of Kate Winslet? And I'm like, apparently a lot. I'd watched her in a bunch of things. Hmm. And in the nineties, I subscribed to a bunch of movie magazines, premiere and movie line and entertainment weekly. I worked at a law firm for a little while, so I had access every day to Hollywood Reporter and Variety. I was following movie stuff different than I do now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Pulp Fiction. When that came out, I read the review of it in the LA Times that morning. I was like, I have to see this. But otherwise, I wouldn't have seen it. I had seen part of Reservoir Dogs, but I didn't know the title of that movie when I saw it. I walked into a different film class that was watching Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I missed the beginning of the movie, so I didn't know what movie, what it was called until later. Wow. Or I would have sought out Pulp Fiction. Same reason I sought out Eternal Sunshine. I had seen being John Malkovich. And I'm like, Charlie Kaufman is now on my radar and he will remain there. Yeah. I will see anything he makes <laughs> until he pisses me off, which he hasn't done yet. So anything else on uh, the minute or the movie? Uh, it's just great. I, I, I really want to watch this one again. It's like, you know, when you watch The Sixth Sense, you know, you don't catch anything yeah. until you watch it again. And you're like, oh, 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 duh. right. 
you know, you're like, she didn't look at him in the chair. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, this is one of the movies that, you know, when you watch it the first time, you're really trying to, your brain automatically says, well, besides what the fuck, you know, (laughs) know, it says what is going, you know, what's going on? Where is this in the relation? What part of this move, his memory, where it's at, you know, in noticing that, you know, now that like the hair color from Clementine changes and that kind of can give you a, a little bit of a, I guess, a perspective of where they're at at that point. Yeah. We can tell where they are in his head, but the problem is the story we're watching isn't in that order. Right. Yeah. And so we still have to figure out where are we in terms of the story? And yeah, I mean, it, to me, it almost is close to being a perfect movie also, I believe. Mm. Yeah. But the little flaw that I could catch in this is so when they're pulling out the drawings and the things that remind him of Clementine. Yeah. And he has to look at them, right. concentrate on them so they can map out where that is in his brain. Exactly. Yeah. But there's more than just objects in life that make you think of other things, smells and places. Places. I mean, you may have been walking down the street and saw, you know, a fruit stand and saw some Clementines uh-huh. on a fruit stand. And like yep. that would make you think of her or there's some flowers or something you he might have wanted to buy her yep. and he don't have that in front of him to get rid of it. There's always going to be little pieces of her in his mind that they can't just erase. Yes. And extra things they would have erased. Yeah. I said that last week that he might've used to known a lot about actual constellations and wouldn't have had to make something up and be funny. Right. But maybe she asked about that all the time when they were outside. Mm-hmm. And so now those things are gone from his head also. And how does he keep, I want to be inside the movie in that regard. Yeah. Because I want to know how does his brain contemplate that? Like earlier, he's like, like, I haven't had an entry in two years. Yeah. It's like, isn't that alarming? It should be. I mean, considering he's one of them guys that will write in his journal every single day. Right. He writes in there. He draws in there. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. And he's a hell of an artist, apparently. I would guess that single journal wouldn't last two years. That Yeah. Like you said, it should be alarming that that's going to make you actually think about Okay, so what am I missing? Yeah, I think it would almost work better. And I've questioned Lacuna's business model before anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think in practice, I think they shouldn't erase from your mind the idea that you erase something. Right. You're taking away the emotions. One of the people we see in the waiting room later is a person who clearly her pet died. And she doesn't want to have that hurt, that pain. And you're taking away the pain, but maybe not take away the existence of that pet that happened once. You know you had a pet you know, it was painful to lose them. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a girlfriend, Clementine, and it didn't go well. Because also you need to know that your relationship didn't go well so that you don't make the same mistakes with a new person. They luck out and that they get together with the same person again. But even then, it's not going to go well. The movie ends hopeful. The script lets us know that Clementine has erased Joel, I think it's seven times over 50 years. And he presumably has erased her just as many. Yeah. Because they do the same pattern over and over. And it's why I kind of like these three movies, though, is that also it universalizes outward to all of the way we get together in relationships. It's not that you get together with the same person. It's you find someone who's exactly like them. Because that's what interests you. Mm -hmm. You have a type. They'll talk specifically about types later in Ex Machina. Right. But if you have a type, you're going to keep getting together with that type. It's interesting with these three movies, I said yesterday with Groundhog Day, if you didn't know what Groundhog Day was, you don't know what's going to happen yet. You know Phil's going to get stuck. That's it. You don't know the context. Right. 
this movie, you don't know what's going to happen yet. It's a rom-com that's a little too sad. Yeah. And I think Ex Machina is the only one where we know the plot. We don't know where it's going to go, but this one, I don't know. They're going to go on the next date and they're going to struggle. But it's a lot of relationship. You go through the fun stuff. Once you get past the fun stuff, then you got to get to the nitty gritty. Yep. And if you don't like it, you have to figure out what you're going to do about it. Yeah. And for different reasons, they aren't good in the long term with each other. Yeah. And what they bring to that relationship. Yeah. Short term, they seem to get along great. Yeah. But they're going to be in the short term relationship for life, basically. Which might even be healthy. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Or it's horrible. Yeah. And it's just repetition in hell. Yep. So if people want to talk to you about uh, another famous (laughs) rom-com, what show should they look for? People who love planes. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Top Gun Minute. Talk about the 1986 Top Gun one minute at a time. We do it five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm on all your podcatchers and Twitter, Top Gun Minute Pod and Top Gun Minute Listener School on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. And you can follow all three shows on one feed. Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. This is it, Joel. Gonna be gone soon. Okay, we'll be I know. What do we do? Look, we're going off. Enjoy it. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to go.